Welcome to Grace 360, a vibrant discussion on issues of diversity that we hope is engaging, biblical, and slightly entertaining. The goal of these podcasts is to create a healthy, honest, and helpful discussion for Christian educators, parents, and students from a biblical perspective on current cultural issues relating to diversity. Diversity, for our purposes, is related to the acrostic grace, gender, race, age, ability, culture, and economic status. While we don't have all the answers, we hope our discussion is thought-provoking and helpful. Welcome to Grace 360. Welcome back. Um, Grace 360, we're here again. We got Tamarcus, Cindy, Dan, and I'm Jenny Brady. Excited to be here with you again. One of the things we thought about discussing on this podcast was the idea of civility in our discussions. As we look at society around us, as we look at what's going on in the world, we just see a almost a lack of civility when people disagree with others. We see a lack of civility of even being willing to listen to to people who might have differing opinions or differing thoughts. And so we're going to throw this discussion out there and see where it lands. Dan, I know this has been a hot topic for you as you're our worldview director and you're hoping to train our students. And you're thinking this is a really necessary topic for our students to wrestle with. Yeah, it's super important. So I'm reading, you know, The Coddling of the American Mind, and it it spends a lot of time talking about how on the college campus, um, it used to be, right, think about the idea of, you know, the college campus in the 60s and 70s, and you had like all the ideas out there. And, you know, that it it used to be a place for, um, you know, a a liberal arts education, um, liberty, freeing your mind from things, exploring ideas, listening to speakers and, and taking classes, right? I mean, just expanding your mind. Um, And today what's beginning to happen, right, is um, if a person's presenting an idea that you disagree with, right, not only is that idea wrong, right, but now it's harmful and dangerous um, and people want to be freed from the actual idea being presented. And so they're shutting down conversation. They're shutting down dialogue on a college campus. And so as we work in the secondary school, really, you know, the pre-K through 12th grade, it becomes so much more vital for us to have those conversations and to teach our kids how to have that because they're really not doing that on a college campus anymore. And so just the idea that when, when um, you know, things happen, how important it is uh, for us to have uh, and allow students to have conversations where they're listening and they're learning to people that they don't always agree with. Uh, what does that look like and how well do we do that? And I think within the Christian community, it's probably one of the things that we haven't done as well as we should have done. Um, of bringing in ideas and people that we don't agree with, but they're good thoughts for our students to wrestle with. Now, I'm not saying that we, you know, bring in, you know, atheistic thoughts to our second grade classroom. I get it, right? But as the students mature, um, hopefully they're being exposed to ideas and concepts um, that, you know, whether they agree or disagree with them, they're learning how to wrestle with those ideas and that we're teaching them how to think critically about those concepts, taking taking things back to scripture, taking things back to the word of God, right? But it means that we have to allow in our classrooms and in our conversations ideas that we don't always agree with, right? And I think that's an important aspect of, of what we want to talk about is how well is your school doing that, right? How well are you doing that as, as an individual? And I think it goes back to, to me as well as, right, am I exposing myself to books, podcasts, things like that of people that I don't agree with as well so that I'm listening and learning um, and having the humility, right, to to engage in those thoughtful discussions as well. So that's that's what I think is really important for us to talk about. 
I think you mentioned mm-hmm. the books, podcasts, and everything else, but another really important area to listen to is news. Mm-hmm. News from different sources is a huge area that I think we're lacking in. So, Cindy, I know that um, recently you had a discussion with a student in regards to, um, it's, it's a political discussion, but it wasn't a political discussion in regards to our new vice president, um, and that student was quite excited about seeing herself. Can you explain a little bit about that? And then with that, explain, you were almost attacked for explaining that situation to some others. Can you explain how that works? <laughs> yeah, interestingly, the attacks came from adults, not from kids. Um, I, in my classroom, I have a corner of my room that I, I have named the Do You Know Corner. Um, and it goes back to not ever wanting one of my students to ever feel invisible in the classroom. I want my kids, I, I don't want to nitpick my curriculum to where it's purposely geared or directed towards, well, I have to have this many African-Americans represented and this many Latinos represented and this many Asian-Americans represented, et cetera. I just want my classroom to be reflective of what is sitting in my classroom. And by what, I mean the different ethnicities that are sitting in my classroom. So in my Do You Know corner, I have pictures of mostly Um, Americans who are not very well known for their accomplishments. Now, there are some people on there that are pretty well known. um, uh, And, you know, but then again, known if you happen to be in certain areas. For example, if you're into tennis, you probably will recognize Arthur Ashe on my wall. But the general population is probably not going to recognize Arthur Ashe. So I've been holding off on putting up Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Um, because I knew that it was going to cause controversy. So I purposely waited until after the Electoral College votes were counted on December the 14th um, before I put her up because I knew it was going to cause a stink. Right Now, if you look at the people that I have on my wall, they're not all there because I agree with them politically or I agree with how they lived their lives. Right? I have James Baldwin on my wall because he's so influential. Um in, in, you know, in his writings and things like that. And most, most people don't, don't know James Baldwin. So I have him on my wall. So I put up vice president elect Kamala Harris. And um, when I put her up and one of my students saw her, she looked at me, the student looked at me and said, you know, Miss D, I don't agree with her politically, but it's pretty neat that someone who looks like me is that high up in American government for the first time. And that was exactly what I want. I want my kids to see people who look like them, quote unquote, not because I believe that American history is too lily white. I I do not want to take away from the accomplishments of our founding fathers. I can't. But I do want them to understand both my students that come from ethnic minorities and my students that come from an ethnic majority that God has used people from diverse ethnicities to build this great nation that we live in. You know, I think I've said it before in one of our previous recordings, Herman Melville, you know, you spill the drop of an American, you spill the blood of the world. I want my kids to see that. I want them to see that when they walk in. So I have all these different people that are up there. Well, I put it up on my Insta and my Insta is connected to my Facebook and I rarely go to Facebook, 
but apparently it, it caused a brouhaha over on Facebook and some people made some comments and they're entitled to make their comments. They're entitled to their opinion. I'm entitled to disagree with their opinion and to love them in spite of that. And for them to love me, even though we don't agree, you know, I mean, I don't like the color chartreuse. Some people like it. I'm not going to question your Christianity because you like chartreuse. and I'm not going to kick you out of my life because you like chartreuse. Um, but it, it's, it's interesting that people will not, that some people, for whatever reason, cannot acknowledge an accomplishment simply because they disagree with how a person has lived their life or simply because they don't agree with their politics. I don't agree with vice president and I don't need, I don't need to justify myself, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't agree with vice president elect Kamala Harris's political stand, but I cannot deny that it is massive that we have not just a female, but a biracial female for the first time in American history who is now going to be one heartbeat away from the presidency. What was it, 100 years ago that women were given the right to vote on a national scale? I know that some states have given it individually to women before that on national, on the state level, but not on a national. That's an accomplishment, regardless of whether I agree with her or not. You know, just because I don't agree with half of the team that is given credit for figuring out DNA doesn't mean that it should invalidate my belief in DNA. He was an atheist. Does that negate the validity of DNA? I don't think so. Um, so I, I, as a teacher, and, and, and people can disagree with me all they want, but as a teacher, it's not my job to nitpick in that regard. Now, I use it as a gateway. You know, I think it's great that she has accomplished this. Is that something that you're interested in? Are you interested in going into politics? And if you are, how can you do it differently? How do you do it in a way that's more reflective of your, or that is reflective of your spiritual and your biblical beliefs? Sort of deal. So, so anyway, that's where it went. And it did blow up on Facebook. And most of the time, um, because I have raised my students properly, my former students are very polite to the people that are dissenting and disagreeing. And sometimes I have to pull them back. Um, and sometimes I, I, I admit the human side of me just wants to let them go. Um, but that's not, you know, once we're teachers, we're always teachers and we're always teaching our kids. doesn't matter if they're mm -hmm. adults and professionals or not. We graciously, lovingly teach them, no, we have to be civil. I think it's interesting that, and I could be wrong. I'm not a theologian. Um, I took plenty of Bible classes when I was in undergrad, but that doesn't mean that I know my Bible forwards and backwards as well as I ought to. So Tamarcus, you're more, you're definitely more, more um, knowledgeable than I am in that regard. But as far as I can recall, I don't recall Jesus ever losing it with anyone other than the religious leaders. Like he didn't go after the Romans. He didn't go after the centurions. He didn't lose it with them. He was hardest on his, on, on the, on the quote unquote religious leaders. Um, and as, as believers, we're supposed to be markedly different than the world. Yeah. And we're looking a whole lot like the world. And sometimes we're worse than the world. Well, that, that's where it goes to, you know, in our last podcast, we talked about being citizens of heaven. Mm -hmm. And I think as we're talking about civility, um, the, the, the idea of a right civil society, um, like that is a, like a, it's a biblical idea in the sense that like, God has created people for community and like it done well is a reflection 
of the kingdom. Um, and I think, like I say, just from practical uh, biblical teachings, we as the church, like part of the reason what, what you just said is so true is because we as the church, right, we are the salt and the light of the earth, right? We are, we are supposed to be those that the world looks at. Um, the our, our teaching pastor at my church, uh, he puts it this way. He was like that, that the church ought to be like the um, the trailer to the movie, right? And in, 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 in such a way that when people see the trailer, they're like, man, I got to see that movie. Um, like I want to, I want to go to that. And, and that, that is our role. And so, yeah, it makes sense that God first and foremost goes to those who are leading that reflection. And he, he, he's upset because he's like, this isn't a, a, a true reflection of, of what I stand for. And I think just a couple tools that I think scripture really helps us one as believers being citizens of heaven, when we do that, well, we model to the world around us what even just earthly uh, civility looks like. But um, I love in First Peter 2, um, verse 9, right, sets up this precedence about what's true about us, right? He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And what what is wrapped up in there is, is by being a um, being in cahoots with Jesus, right? Having been saved and, and um, wrapped up in uh, in union with Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection through faith, uh, you by default belong to a body of people. Um, you you fundamentally aren't a individual. Um, as we understand it typically in our American society where it's about me and what I want and what I need and what like you by default are a part of a people and you have to, and you have to think about the well-being of the people's need right this is why Paul urges us so much in Philippians um, to be in one mind um, right that we would right, bear all the one another's through our scripture bear with one another be kind to one another help one another love one another pray for one another um, that our, our mentality now goes from just thinking about myself to thinking about, right, the, the greatest commandment, love the king and love the citizens of the kingdom. Like, the, that is what we're called to do. In like doing that, exactly. Yeah, right. And, and, and that's what all of the all of the what seems like lofty, hard things to reach at come a lot closer when we look at. All right. Well, what are, what are the simple things? that Christ has called me to, right? That, that if I am if I am more conscious about the needs of my brothers than I am about myself, what what does that change in my family? What does that change in my school, in my classroom? Am I right? If I'm just, just something simple, if I wake up in my prayer, Lord, help me be more conscious about what others around me need more than what I need today. Amen. And just walk through your day with that lens. That will change the way you approach the day. Um, I think so that being a starting point. And then I think two on top of that is um, seeing people through the eyes of Christ. Um, part of what you were talking about earlier, Sydney, I think it's, it's hard for us to do that in our flesh because we look at people in terms of the flesh, right? Paul says, but since, you know, Christ has come, right. We no longer see people according to the flesh, but through the right, but through the different lens. And, I think about the uh, the story in 
the gospels when the 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 woman who the bible just says she was a sinner she comes and she starts washing jesus's feet with her hair and with expensive oils and the pharisee right the religious elite thinks to himself if only jesus really knew what kind of woman this was that was touching him he wouldn't be letting that happen right if only you knew what kind of woman that was that you put up on your wall you wouldn't put her up there right if only you knew what kind of you know whatever right and we could do that about anybody because we're all flawed and and, right but we know from the beginning of john right jesus knows everything about everybody that no one had to teach him and so he responds to the man's thought and basically praises her for how she has approached him right and and part of what we see in jesus's response is he didn't see her in light of her worst moment but he saw her in light of her response to the king right and her response to the king was one that was right and so let's just start like the outside world aside let's just start with the household of god if each one of us looked at each other not for our worst moment not even for our best moment before our response to the king right regardless of what you have done or not done or did to me or done for me you are a child of god saved by grace that the god of the universe sydney he loved you so much and he didn't want life without you that he wrapped himself in flesh and he died the god of the universe died and then arose from the grave for you who am i then to say well, you're not deserving of my kindness and love because you haven't. The God of the universe has already put his stamp of approval, of excellence, of praise, of desire, of love on you. And if I'm seeing you in light of the king, then I can't I can't look at you in any other way than with compassion and grace and with mercy and through forgiveness and through love. Right. And. Like I say, there, there's so many other lofty levels of like, okay, but there's real problems in the world. We have to attack it and address it. But we 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 veer from the course when we lose sight of just those like simple spiritual disciplines from the start of loving the king, loving the citizens of the king, and seeing the citizens through the king's eyes. Like if we can do those things, then as we try to approach solutions to the problems, it's going to change the way we treat people in the process. I know Dan and I are actually going to enter a class this semester, which, okay, I haven't taught a class since before we had technology. So I'm a little overwhelmed right now on this whole teaching class. Um, but we're, we're entering a class, a dual credit course called a Societal and Legal Perspectives of Diversity. So our, our goal literally is to make them start thinking outside the box, start having this dis- these discussions with civility. And I'm excited about that. We also have a Grace Council, our upper school diversity council that does the same kind of thing. So we're trying to create situations for our students to have civility and to learn to speak to each other well, even when they disagree. I just think one of the hardest areas that we struggle with was, is within ourselves and our colleagues as adults, whether it's social media, whether it's interactions. I know people that won't talk to certain people simply because of the way they view life. And so mm-hmm. I think those are some of the things that we struggle with the most. Yeah. So I mean, what, one of the things that uh, going back to what Tamarca said too, was, um, you know, this is really, really important to me. I mean, I, I love politics, you know, I mean, political conversations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when I was about um, 
probably seventh grade, I remember watching a debate between a Christian, right, and a non-Christian on the issue of abortion. Um, and they were just, you know, talking about, you know, I mean, it was shortly after Roe versus Wade, right? So it's, you know, a very heated conversation. But the, the guy who was the Christian was very angry, right? Was very much talking down to the other person. And it was interesting because after about, you know, 15, 20 minutes of watching this, I just remember, you know, looking at my mom and saying, hey, I, I know, you know, this guy's a Christian and the principles that he's putting forth, right? Like, I agree with the principles, but I don't like the way that he's treating the other person. And my mom just looked at me and she said, well, then do it better. And then hmm. the concept that's always stuck with me in my mind is like, I can't change the way he's going to do it. I can't change, change the way you're going to do it. I can't, right. I mean, I can't change the way, but I can change the way I'm going to do it. And I think that's the concept, right? You know, Tamarcus, you, you've had some friends and you've been in conversations with some people and some people haven't treated you well in those conversations. And that's unfortunate that within the body of Christ, that you and I can't have a conversation and treat each other as if I see you literally as not only an image bearer, but also a brother in Christ. Like, how, how should I treat you? Well, Christ died for you. That, that should give me some example. Right? <laughs> give, me, give me some place to start. But even, even if not, just, just an image bearer, right? Just a human being who maybe you disagree with everything that they stand for, but they still have the fingerprint of God on them. How should I treat them? And I think the reality is we're watching the world not do it well, right? But I'm responsible for me. I'm not responsible for how somebody else is going to do it. And I'm not responsible mm -hmm. for the world going crazy, right? I mean, I, uh, as I flip through scripture, when has the world not been crazy? But Tamarcus said, we are the salt and we are the light. And so we bring a very important concept, right? And it's not just that we get to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, but we get to live our lives out in a way, in a manner where people really are looking at us as if there's something different about these people. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's, it's not because of my political affiliation. They're not going to look at me and just say, oh, oh, well, I didn't know you were a part of that party. They're going to look at me and say, well, you're kind, right, when you didn't need to be. And you're forgiving uh, when, when I couldn't have been. And, you're, right? and it's like all those things that Christ is in me is what the world needs to see. And so when, when Christ says to us, like, you're the salt and you're the light, what an incredible responsibility that is. And in today's day and age, how much more of an opportunity when nobody else is doing it well for us to do it well and for us to do it differently and for us to teach the next generation of kids. Hey, here's the deal. Here's what will set you apart. And it's not going to be whether, you know, you're a great coder um, or, you know, you're a, a great this or your resume, right? You know, graduate from the university of whoever, right? I'm going to tell you, if you learn to treat people other with, with respect, if you learn to put the needs of others ahead of yourself, if you learn how to speak in a civil tone to other people, even when you disagree with them, you're going to be a person that people want to be around. Now, I hope you work hard too, right? <laughs> right? And I hope you know what you're doing, right? But, but just that whole idea of teaching our kids that, that concept of this is what it means to be a Christian, um, to be meek, to have that power under control, right? To, to um, you know, to be hunger and thirst, you know, thirst for righteousness, right? I mean, just that, that whole concept of, those are the kind of kids that we want to have. Now, you know, if, if they're maybe not in our political party or if they're maybe having you know, a couple of views that are different than we are on some different things, you know, we, we can deal with things like that as well. But just the attitude, uh, the heart attitude that we have, I mean, I just remember scripture says that, you know, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I just see so many people that they get this, this vitriol that comes from the forth from their mouth, but they're telling me that they have the heart of Christ. And I go, I don't get it. I don't, I don't see that. It's amazing to me how quick we're all to claim grace and mercy when we feel that we're deserving of it, but we're so 
not we willing don't give to it. extend it. That's right. Super important. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mm. think we all have a lesson to learn in this and um, a wait. Uh, we all have a need to continue growing and um, working together. But I think that, that one of the best ways is put yourself around people who disagree with you, who don't think like you, as we're always saying. So, um, Can I say wait, you mean invite them? them? You mean invite them over for dinner? That'd be amazing. Rosaria Butterfield. Yes. I want to say like church, like Sorry, that was church, long. church listening. Like we've, we've been here before. Um, the church the church, right? The people of God survived in all sorts of scenarios, right? I think of I think of those that were taken captive in Nineveh when God sends Jonah, right, mm-hmm. to right in meekness uh, to share good news to them. I think of the exiles, um, right? Uh, the Jeremiah prophesied to, right? We we love to quote the passage uh, for we know God's plans for you to cherish you. You go back a few verses, right, to the same people <laughs> whose homes yeah. were torn down who were pulled from their homeland, taken to a pagan land where nobody worshiped the true and living God. God says, I want you to start families, build a house, live there, pray for the city and seek its well-being because as it prospers, you will prosper. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus ascends and his right disciples are facing persecution and are being thrown in jail. And right, their witness actually grows because of their meekness and their love, even in the midst of being persecuted. Fast forward to, right, Nazi Germany, right? Like we've seen so many examples throughout history where Christians have thrived in far worse circumstances than our own and have been able to overcome, not by rising up in power, not by overthrowing the establishment, but by meekness and faithfulness to the call that God had given them. And man, if the church has been doing it and we get the opportunity to do it as well um, wherever we find ourselves. So well, that's a great way to end it. So we hope you'll join us for our next discussion. Um, and that as you continue to listen into our conversations that you are diversifying those around you. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace 360. As always, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes and are not intended to be divisive or inflammatory in nature. We hope you listened and learned as much as we have in the process of producing the show and pray you'll join us for our next episode. You can find us on social media. We would love to have you as part of our discussion with your thoughts and questions. Once again, thank you for listening to Grace 360.